Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Another week is well underway here in Texas agriculture. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. A common discussion item among those in Texas High Plains agriculture is how to continue producing corn here despite our water challenges. I'm James Hunt and I'll report on some available strategies on Texas Ag Today. Farmers gather at Plains Cotton Growers Annual Meeting in Lubbock. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Drought conditions continue to intensify in South Texas, but there was a bright spot for young people showing beef cattle. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The mohair market in Texas is steady, but it remains lower than the market for goat meat. Jessica Domel explains. While demand for goat meat has risen over the past decade, Demand for the durable hair from Angora goats has remained relatively steady. Dr. Reed Redden, a sheep and goat specialist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, joins us with more on mohair. And just gross value of production is probably not keeping up with the meat goat market. So it's good. There's still a number of Angora producers in Texas and You know, the volume of mohair produced worldwide has kind of gone down, but there's still a a fair demand. So it's fetching decent prices, but it just hasn't exploded with the the increase in demand that we're seeing for meat goats. That was Dr. Reed Redden. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We're still waiting for cotton planting to get started in most of the high plains, but in South Texas, many farmers already have the crop in the ground. Colin Chopolis has put the wraps on cotton planting in San Patricio County near Corpus Christi. And we're actually on our, our last cotton field of the year. Um, hopefully we, we won't have any replants this year, but uh, we've, uh, we've put about 1,600 acres of cotton in the ground so far, and we're on the last 60 acres. So uh, moisture conditions have been uh, pretty favorable this year, uh, a little drier than we'd like to see it, but uh, we're... We're uh, putting cotton seed in wet dirt, and uh, things are starting to come up and turn green in this area and, and looking really good. Colin Chopolis in San Patricio County. Water availability is a constant challenge on the Texas High Plains, and it's one of the biggest limiting factors in corn production there. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. 
The consensus seems to be that corn acres in our region will either stay flat this year or maybe even shrink a little, but given the fact that there is a strong demand for corn by our local livestock industry, you can expect corn will remain in the region's crop mix. We're going to be growing corn for a while to come, but it's all going to be based on the amount of water we have and the ability we have to manage what we do. That's Russell French with Pioneer Hybrid. French has been working with area farmers for nearly 30 years, and when it comes to growing corn while conserving water, he says there are a lot of ways to go, including what's called split planting. Instead of planting the whole pivot all at once, we'll plant half of it early. Then we wait 30 to 45 days and, and we'll plant the other half. And then we'll windshield back and forth on the first planted corn, get it past peak water use, and then begin to water the later planted corn and reduce the water on the first planted corn. So we're spreading out our water use. And also spreading out pollination, which French says is doable by using hybrids with different maturities. Another approach some area farmers have begun tinkering with is what French refers to as ultra-slow center pivot irrigation. We're slowing these pivots down and instead of making one revolution every seven days, we're making one revolution every 14 to 21 days. And with that reduced frequency, a pretty good dose of water can be delivered with each pass. We're more efficient the less trips we go around with the pivot, the more we get into the soil and we don't lose to evaporation. French says another option is planting hybrids that have ear flex capability, where more kernels per ear can be produced at lower seeding rates, thus using less water. Our farmers are very innovative, and if there's a way to figure out how to do something better, they're going to do it. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas cotton growers gathered in Lubbock over the weekend after a one-year hiatus. Tom Nicoletti has more. My guest today from the Hub City is Steve Verrett. He's Chief Executive Officer of Plains Cotton Growers. Steve, uh, the coronavirus pandemic uh, certainly put a stop on uh, your meeting along with uh, many, many others uh, in 2020, uh, but you still were able to communicate with your cotton farmers, right? We had to keep going, Tom, as you know. You're in the communications business, and a big part of our responsibilities are communicating uh, to farmers about the issues that they deal with, whether it's from farm program issues, farm program sign-ups, emergency disaster sign-up, crop insurance issues. So we've had to do that, you know, in order to kind of take the place, at least temporarily, for in-person type meetings, everybody has moved to this Zoom or Teams platform where we're doing a lot of things over the computer. So, Steve, you got together uh, just last week uh, for an in-person meeting. Uh, and what was your main message uh, for cotton farmers that your organization serves in uh, the 40-plus counties uh, in the Texas Panhandle and South Plains? Well, I guess the main message was we're glad to be back together again. Our business is a relational business. How we build relations with our fellow producers, uh, the people that we deal with at, in the legislative arena, whether it's in Washington, D.C., or whether it's Austin. We want to continue to build on those relationships. And then, of course, our normal updates that we had concerning uh, where we are on farm legislation and then also sign-ups for the programs and heard from uh, Congressman Jody Arrington that gave us a Washington update. In early uh, 2021, what is the state of the cotton industry uh, here in Texas? Not unlike the other commodities, we're cautiously optimistic. Now, from a crop situation here on the high and rolling plains anyway, this 2020 crop year was not that great. But with the underlying farm program benefits that we have, most farmers 
are at least in a position where hopefully they're going to be able to take advantage of some higher prices that we're seeing for nearly all commodities right now. The only risk that we see right now is from the weather and this lingering drought that continues to hang around in a lot of Texas, but certainly in our part of Texas. If we can just get some normal rainfall or what we would believe is average, then I think most producers are cautiously optimistic that hopefully we can make a good crop and then there'll be a good price waiting for it at harvest time as well. Those comments from Steve Verrett of Plains Cotton Growers on his organization's annual meeting in Lubbock. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Drought conditions continue to intensify in the Texas coastal bend. Harvey Buring reports from Corpus Christi. Drought conditions are certainly on the increase here in the lower coastal bend area of South Texas, but there were a few scattered showers that occurred mainly along the coastline. But for the farming community that is 15 to 20 miles inland, drought conditions continue to intensify. Fortunately, most of the dryland area that had moisture to emerge a crop has been planted and the crops are hanging on at this time. But some locations in the western part of the coastal bend, cotton farmers have had to halt planters in hopes of getting some rain before the final planting deadline occurred. Now, meanwhile, up in San Antonio, some bright spots for young people. By the time April rolls around, Texas junior livestock shows are in the history book, but that's not the case for 2021. Uh, The Arctic blast and the COVID problems that occurred caused the San Antonio Livestock Show to have to reschedule their heifer show event that originally was supposed to take place during the week of the Arctic blast in early February. But this week, those contestants who had entered that show were invited back to San Antonio to compete with their animals, and that event was very successful with A thousand or so heifers showing up. Of course, instead of having temperatures in the teens, by midweek, temperatures were approaching the mid-90s, making for a real difficult Texas temperature swing challenge. But all in all, a very successful show was completed, and our hats are off to the staff, management, and volunteers at San Antonio for their efforts in making sure that these young people had the opportunity to participate in their show competition for 2021. This is Harvey Beering reporting from the Coastal Bend area for Texas Ag Today. A North Texas Extension office is helping landowners turn their dead brush into wildlife habitat. I'm Jessica Dumoul and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And there are many different flu vaccines available for horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. 
We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There are many different flu vaccines available for horses, but should you use the same vaccine every time? Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd answers that question. Vaccination for equine influenza is important, but all of the vaccines are a little different. So we need to know if using the same vaccine is required or if changing vaccines is okay. Dr. Bruno Karam from UC Davis performed a study to determine if changing vaccine would require a booster within 30 days. The authors believe that changing vaccines would require a booster vaccination in 30 days, similar to vaccinating a horse that has not been vaccinated. They also believe vaccinating with updated or contemporary strains would generate a higher antibody response than older strains. To prove their assumptions, the authors measured antibody response in 64 horses after vaccination against equine influenza virus. Antibodies circulate in the horse's blood and are among the immune system's first methods to mount an immune response against an invading disease-causing organism. The 64 horses were vaccinated with three different vaccines, and 10 horses in each group received a booster vaccine at 30 days, and four were not vaccinated and used as controls. All horses had previously been vaccinated for years using a product containing the K97 flu strain, which is an older form of the virus. The same vaccine was used in the study as well as three new vaccines. Antibody titers were measured every 30 days for six months and results indicated that all horses had similar responses to the different vaccines. So it is likely not important to booster vaccines if you switch to a new flu vaccine. Of course, antibody response does not always indicate protection against the disease as antibodies are only one part of the horse's immune response. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A North Texas Extension office is helping landowners turn their dead brush into wildlife habitat. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. Creating a brush pile could be good for wildlife on your property. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service Office in Collin County recently held a brush pile building and burning demonstration to help landowners in the area. Chase Brook, Collin County Extension Agent for Agriculture and Natural Resources, joins us with more. Like elsewhere in Texas, we have a lot of brush that we manage. And of course, as that brush gets removed during regular land clearing operations, disposing of it is always a challenge. And particularly in an agricultural context, making sure that our landowners have the knowledge and ability to remove that debris, in this case through burning, and doing so in a safe manner is incredibly important. The Texas Forest Service puts brush and debris pile burning as one of the top causes of wildfires in the state of Texas. So it behooves us to really work hand-in-hand with landowners on how to go about it in a safe and effective manner. Second is that we have a very active quail habitat restoration group up here in North Texas, and a lot of landowners are looking to integrate wildlife management into their operation, and brush piles can be a very effective way of doing so, specifically for quail. By getting people out in the field, getting them a hands-on experience and how to approach different ways to build brush piles, how to place them for optimal wildlife habitat, and then when they're at the end of their use, how to burn them safely really helps folks get a handle on what is a pretty ubiquitous part of land ownership. 
That was Collin County Extension Agent Chase Brook. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a mostly lower close on Monday for the live cattle market while feeder cattle closed mixed. However, the cotton and grain markets saw losses. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Here's a thought for Earth Day. American farmers are the original conservationists. They preserve the land, grow more food with fewer resources, and protect nature season after season. That's why commitments from Syngenta's Good Growth Plan focus on three key goals. Helping farmers, accelerating innovation to support climate resiliency, and improving sustainability of agriculture for future generations. This message is brought to you by Syngenta as we celebrate this year's Earth Day theme, Restore Our Earth. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We had a mixed close in the cattle complex to kick off the week on Monday. We closed lower on live cattle, mixed on feeder cattle. We'll start with the live cattle. April contract down 70 cents, 122.72. The June down 47, 122.10. August live cattle down 45 at 121.95. Feeder cattle mix, the April down 25 cents, 144.50. May feeders up 7, 149.70. August feeder cattle up 62 cents at 160.57. Cash fed cattle market, all quiet on Monday. We wrapped up last week putting five bucks onto the market. Here in Texas, we sold cattle as high as 123 on a live basis. Up north, they got as high as 125. Again, that's five bucks higher than the previous week. Dress sales up north reached as high as 196 on the rail. The show lists this week appear to be mixed. We are somewhat higher here in Texas and up in Kansas, somewhat smaller in Nebraska. Boxed beef prices mixed to kick off the week on Monday. Choice down $1.34 at $270.83. Select up $1.20, Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, when you hear cattle beller, it's time to head to Lockhart for their regular Thursday sale. Let's talk to Madison Bexley and see how it went. Maddie, how in the world are you? I'm good, Larry. How are you? I'm so good I cannot stand myself, and I know I've told you that before, but I tell you each time because it seems to make you giggle. So anyway. (laughs) Well, good. Hey, uh, how did the sale run in Lockhart on Thursday? We ended up having a really good day. We had 1309 with 298 cows and 26 bulls, 193 sellers, and 67 buyers. Maddie, walk the pins with us. On the front end of the pairs, uh, they would have brought from 11 to 14.50. The mediocre and middle aged from 8 to 10.50. Uh, the Longhorn and Flame pairs from 6 to 7.75. The good bread cows from 8 and a quarter to 11.50. The mediocre middle aged and shortbreads mostly 5.50 to 800. Uh, Longhorn and plainer bread cows from 2.50 to 500. Uh, packer cows and bulls would have been about steady to maybe just a tick lower this week. The good high yielding packer cows from 62 to 76. The medium yielding from 54 to 61. Low yielding and lightweights from 30 to 53. The good high yielding packer bulls from 88 to 99. The medium yielding from 80 to 87. Low yielding and lightweights from 65 to 79. And on the cows and yearlings, they would have sold pretty much steady to a couple dollars better on a real active market this week. We had several strings of good quality yearling type cattle in demand for those grass calves right now. It's just real good. So, you know, all in all, it was a great day. 
Good. Do you anticipate demand to be equal or better next week? I sure hope so. Good. Well, tell everybody how to get hold of you. Yeah, Larry, you can always check it out on Facebook, or you can call the barn at 512-398-3476. My cell phone at 979-540-9793. Or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091. We'll talk to you next week. Have a nice weekend, Maddie. Thanks. You too, Larry. And Texas farming and ranching neighbors, thank you for listening to Walk in the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. For Madison Bexley at Lockhart Livestock, I'm Larry Marble. Good day. Now back over to the futures market where lean hogs close mix. The nearby April was up a nickel, 103.52, but the May contract dropped $1.97 to close at 104.40. Class 3 milk was higher. April milk up 20 cents, 17.88. May milk up 49 at 19.87, 100 weight. A big tumble in the cotton market. Not a whole lot of explanation for the big drop. The market is feeling some pressure from increasing COVID-19 infections around the world, especially in India. Also waiting to see what USDA's weekly crop progress data will show as far as planting is concerned across the cotton belt. We ended up closing with a big drop on the nearby May, down 226 points, 80.14. July cotton down 223 at 81.51. The December down 134 points, 80.44 cents. The wheat market gave back some of that three-day rally we had in Kansas City wheat last week. That rally mainly came over concerns for the spring wheat crop. We got some rain across the U.S. northern plains over the weekend, so that may have put a little pressure back into this market. We closed with July wheat down 7.5, and three quarters. July Chicago wheat down nine and a quarter, six thirty-one and a quarter. The corn market steady to lower. The old crop getting hit the hardest. May corn down eight and a quarter, five sixty-nine a bushel. September corn down three, five oh seven and three quarters. December corn unchanged at four ninety-six and a half. In the energy markets, May natural gas up three cents, two fifty-five. May crude oil up twenty-nine at fifty-nine sixty-one a barrel. The financial markets slightly lower. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 55 points, 33,745. The Nasdaq down 50 at 13,850. The S&P 500 down a fraction of a point, 4,127. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.